welcome to a very special episode of Coming Out Stories. We thought it was about time that I got together and had a chinwag with um, the woman that we can thank for all this happening, basically, when about three years ago we had a conversation in her basement, I believe, that recording people's coming out stories would be a good idea. It turns out she was right. It's only our producer, Sam Walker. Hello, missus. I can't believe it's been so long, even though we speak to each other all the time, that we've actually spoken on the podcast for this long. But that's because you don't need me. You're doing an amazing job. Brilliant host. And I have loved, loved, loved all the stories we've collected over the last couple of years. have been amazing. It's been such an incredible experience. And I cannot believe that to begin with, I went, oh, Sam, coming out stories. That's a bit passe, isn't it? That's about Bit, a bit sort of 2000s or something, isn't it? Who's going to be interested in other people's coming out stories? How wrong I was. And I tell you what, thank God you suggested it because I have been on the most amazing journey and collected some of the most amazing stories over the last few years. It's just, it's been enlightening, hasn't it? It really has been. And of course, what this has all led to is what I'm holding up to the camera now. So we're talking over the internet right now. I'm holding up to the camera our book, our actual beautiful, listen to that, a real life book, also available on Kindle. Uh, a beautiful book coming out stories edited by V and me, Emma Goswell, featuring some of the stories. I mean, just touching on some of the amazing stories. We've been so, so fortunate to be shared with us on this podcast. And I'm so proud. And do you know what I love on the very front page is Russell T Davis and his quote saying, this book is vital. And I still get shivers when I think about his response to reading this. It was wonderful. When I got that email uh, last summer, I screamed for joy. And the most important bit, actually, that he said, which isn't on the cover, he said, this book should be in every school and every home. And just to have that said by one of my icons just blew me away. The whole experience has blown me away, really. And the fact that we got approached to do the book, that we've had this opportunity, and hopefully so many people will find out about these incredible people that we've had the chance to interview so this has led us to this particular podcast doesn't it because our publishers want us to talk a little bit about some of the things that we've experienced over the last few years putting this together and the first question was why do we still need to come out in 2021 and my obvious answer to this is well we shouldn't have to should we you know and I think I said this in the very very beginning in an ideal world it's as interesting as saying I've got blue eyes or I really like capers. You know, it's just part of <laughs> just part of your personality. Why would anyone else be interested in it? It shouldn't be interesting, right? It shouldn't be a thing. It really shouldn't be a thing. But I think there's a difference between we shouldn't need to do this and for goodness sake, why is anyone doing this? Because I think there is still the people out there who when, say, a celebrity comes out and makes a statement about their sexuality or their gender, there are people who go, oh, for goodness sake, stop talking about it. Stop ramming it down our throats. And that's a very different, that's a very different reaction. And while those voices still exist, I think (laughs) there's still the need to come out until it is completely and utterly normalised which is it should have been from day dot because guess what every people of every gender and all sexualities have been around since day dot but until Mm -hmm. we get to that point I think sharing stories empowers people it's like anything else it's like sharing stories of say if you're a mother and you've given birth sharing your birth stories with someone really helps empower you and empower other women sharing stories of grief and loss help people going through the same and i think sharing our stories legitimizes our stories and it Mm. makes our stories powerful and that's that's why i think we still need to do it 
Absolutely. And it's not something that I particularly want to talk about. I think I'll talk about this at the beginning of the book. You know, do I want to talk to my own parents about who I want to have sex with? Never. Never in a million years. You know, it's not the sort of conversation I want to have. But I want that love and I want that acceptance from my family for who I am. And, you know, and you want that with your friends. You don't, you know, when you're going through discovering your own sexuality or gender identity, it's such a big mm-hmm. thing for you. You have to learn how to accept yourself first. And then, of course, you want those people that you love and you respect to accept you for who you are. And you feel that if you're going about stuff and doing things covertly or being, you know, in the closet, as it were, mm-hmm. you're not being honest with yourself and you're not being honest with your friends and family. And you want you want them to know about everything that you're going through, don't you, really? And that's what an honest relationship is about. So at some point you have to say, mum, dad, or, you know, cousin, auntie, work colleague, friend, I'm gay or or I'm trans or I'm non-binary. You're going to have to say those words at some point and just hope for the best and hope that they go, oh, that's not very interesting. I'm happy for you, but move along. Let's talk about something more interesting instead. But unfortunately, the stakes are still high. And unfortunately, as I've discovered through talking to people, some people get the worst reactions, which is which is why it is still a big deal to come out, even though it's 2021. We know for a fact that people are still being made homeless when they come out as gay or trans. You know, and, it still happens. And that's, and that's in, quote, developed Western countries. Yeah. This is happening on, you know, in our towns and cities right now. And then if we look at country, other countries around the world that have perhaps different cultural values and different, you know, have different histories. And there, being gay or trans or non-binary can, can lead you to be hurt, imprisoned, even killed. So mm. while until everybody feels they, uh, you know, the confidence to know that they can be who they are, where they need to be, you know, with their families, I think these stories can only help. Yeah, absolutely. And people are going to have to keep, you know, speaking up really and saying stuff. And particularly if you're trans, you've, you've got to kind of come out, haven't you? If you want, to, if you want your family or your parents to use a different name, if you want to change pronouns, if you want your pronouns respected, you've got to have those discussions, haven't you? You've got to have those really difficult discussions with people in your family or people closest to you. So you've got to speak up. I did love, however, Oscar, who features in the book. Yeah. <laughs> he he grew up in Trinidad and identifies as transmasculine. And he says, I take the view with my trans identity that unless you're going to get into my pants, I'm really not interested in coming out to you. <laughs> and I just <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter unless I actually want to get intimate with you. I don't need to tell you anything. <laughs> and exactly. I'm down with that. So no, that's, that. true. that's so true, isn't it? But I mean, Oscar still had to um, tell his own mother to start calling him a different name, you know, and said, this is really important, especially when we go back to Trinidad. This is a question of safety. If you start calling me by my birth name, you are putting me at danger. Mm. You know, I, I have to come out to you and you have to respect my new name and my new pronouns. Otherwise, you know, it's a dangerous situation. But yeah, fair play to Oscar. But we would love to hear from you. Do get in touch with us on Twitter at Come Out Stories or at Coming Out Stories pod on Instagram. Tell us your story your experiences and we'd love you to feature on the podcast so the next topic we wanted to talk about was what to do if the reaction you get isn't what you were expecting that's a tough one now i'm a straight cis woman you know i'm really proud to be an lgbtq plus ally but i have never had to come out i have never had to correct the pronoun of my partner when i've said oh yes and me and my partner went out the weekend people go oh what did you do with him i've never had to go uh her uh, you know which i know so many people have had to experience i've never been in that situation i think a lot of straight cis people 
just take that for granted. They never, ever even consider what it must feel like to have to do that. I've got many, many, many friends who have been through the experience of coming out, but it's not something I've experienced personally. You have, of course, Emma, so you can speak mm. to this. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? So, you know, what to do if you get a bad reaction? I think, if I'm honest, every single LGBTQ person that I've spoken to and certainly my own experience, we always expect a bad reaction, which is why we torment ourselves for so long before we generally do it. Okay, it's not the same for everybody, but we generally suffer from poorer levels of mental health than the straight cisgender community because we tie ourselves up in knots worrying about this bad reaction. And, you know, one of the good things about the podcast and the book is that one of my final questions is always, you know, what advice would you give to other people coming out? What advice would you give to yourself when you were younger, maybe? And some of the responses I've had have been really interesting. So, for yeah. example, one person said, look, take it with a pinch of salt, that initial reaction you get from your loved ones. Because bear in mind, you've had this long process of tying yourselves in knots and thinking about it. It may be the first time that your mother or father or sibling has thought about the fact that you might be different they may have never considered it so the first thing that comes out of their mouth might be based on pure and utter shock or disbelief they haven't had all of that sort of hindsight and pre-thought so do not be too upset by the first thing they say um, and I think that takes a lot of guts and a lot of understanding to do that really but and the other thing I would say is realize and understand that their initial reaction isn't their final reaction. So if you get that bad reaction, I mean, how many people have I spoken to, Sam, where they've had total disasters, people haven't spoken to them, and then sometimes within days, sometimes within weeks, sometimes within months and years, that family have come around and they've become really tight and strong as a result of it. I, I love yeah. Sophie's story, which is in the book, actually. Yes, yes. And her mum was so upset. She practically threatened to divorce her dad because her dad took it a lot better than yeah. she did. Um, fast forward literally a couple of months, she went to her daughter's graduation, met her daughter, met Sophie's girlfriend, and then a month after that sent her a birthday card with a big rainbow on it saying, I'm sending you this because it reminds me of all the gay rainbows in the gay village and, you know, it's all part of your community. And absolutely fine and stronger than ever, that relationship. I know. So I think that's one of the important things to remember. I think the point you made to start with as well was really powerful. And James Barr, who you'll know, you know, is a radio presenter, a comedian actor. Uh, mm. he, he's part of the book. And he said in the book, when we come out, we could be changing the script our parents have written for us. Sometimes mm. it's okay to, div to give them some time. And you're right. Sometimes it's kind of, you know, I I'm, a, I'm a mother. I've got two kids. And, you know, I I'm not someone who's particularly projected their futures. And, and I think from day dot, I remember my daughter being about two and a half and being in the car and it was announced on the radio that the actor ben Benedict Cumberbatch had got married. And the first thing she said to me was, mummy, is he married a boy or a girl? And that's from that. and that's from day dot. So for them, yeah. I've 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 said to them sometimes, "Oh, do you think you'll ever get married?" And they're like, "I oh, don't know." I'm like, "They think you might marry a boy or a girl." They're like, "I don't know." And I don't, you know, I don't care. But I think for a lot of people, they do have from the moment they hold the baby in their arms this vision. Now, that's not to say that's just to show them compassion. It's not to say they're right and you must do what they want because they are your parents. Of course not. Mm. But it's just to understand, as James pointed out, that. It's trying to see the other side of the story because I think in anything, if we see the other side of what someone is thinking, it just makes it easier on ourselves. James did then say, I did quite the opposite. When my mum asked me to keep my voice down in case the neighbours heard, I screamed, I'm gay, out of an open window. <laughs> 
<laughs> God love him. If you know James Barr, that's so him, isn't it, really? That's so him. Um, and another thing to think about as well is, and I, I know you love this story in the book as well and in the podcast, and that's Richard. So yeah. I think sometimes you have to really understand that you may know and understand a lot more than your parents. So there may be various religious or cultural or education reasons that your parents are sort of stuck in a very different world than you are. They may not have ever met other gay people. They may be from cultural backgrounds where they don't talk about it, where they're from a religion where it's frowned upon. And Richard said, you know, when he came out in a Muslim family, that his dad turned around to him and went, it's all right, we can take you to the doctor and we can get you pills to make you straight again. And he said something really telling. I said, he said, I knew at that moment that I was wiser than my own father. Yeah. Because I knew there were no pills. I was never going to be straight and there were no pills that were going to make me straight. And I knew then it was my job to educate my parents. And sometimes it is a lack of education. People don't understand it. It's not yeah. in their field of thinking. You know, they're not on Twitter. They're not on Instagram. They don't have those role models or have those people around them. Sometimes it is your job to educate the people that you're coming out to. And you can understand that, oh, blooming heck, why is it my job? (laughs) (laughs) Why? But what was lovely about Richard's stories, he said when his dad said, hey, we can take you to the doctors, we can fix you, it was coming from love. It wasn't coming yeah. from hate. His dad was dad was like, oh, it's going to be really tough for you, but I can make it better because I'm your dad. And I think that's what yeah. was wonderful is that you recognise that. So, yeah, it's a great story. Do read Richard's story in the book. So what we're going to talk about now is celebrities and their role in the coming out process because sometimes having role models and having big names come out can have a big impact on LGBTQ people in the community. I know for myself, I came out in 1989 and believe you me, if there were any lesbian role models (laughs) in the 1980s, they were keeping damn well hidden. Martina? (laughs) Yes, that's it. I've got it written down. The only one I could name is Martina. I mean, the rest were all people like Andy Bell and Boy George, you know, and people like that that were in the music industry. I did, they weren't, you know, to be gay in the 1980s, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy. Of course, this was just before the whole AIDS crisis, which is a whole other ballpark yeah. to talk about. But there were no role models. And, you know, I've spoken to so many people who say, you know, actually just having those people there made me go, oh, I'm not the only person in the world then. Because this is the trouble. When you're LGBT and questioning your sexuality or gender identity, you genuinely think that you're the only person in the world that is like that. Hmm. So the more celebrities come out, the better. I don't know if you had one of the recent podcasts from um, Michael Gunning, who's a professional swimmer. Yes. And he only came out because Tom Daly came out. You know, he was so inspired by Tom Daly coming out as bisexual and then gay that he came out himself. So it, it can be incredibly powerful. I think so. And I think just the visibility. I mean, we talk about, we, you know, throw around phrases like heteronormative society, which can turn a lot of people off because they think, what's, what are you talking about? But <laughs> yeah. I know, I know recently there was um, a, a magazine, a big bridal magazine that on the front cover had two women instead of a woman yeah. and a man. And it was just released. There wasn't a big fanfare. There wasn't a big trumpet. I mean, obviously it was the big fanfare and a trumpet afterwards and just thousands of people going, thank you, thank you. Because for the first time, there is something that represents what my wedding looks like because there aren't on front covers of many other magazines. I was talking to you the other day about this, Emma. There's a a program here where I live in the States called Say Yes to the Dress. It's the greatest trash telly you could ever watch in your life. I sit and watch it with my daughter who's 13. And um, we were watching it and 
in one episode, there was um, a lesbian wedding and it was just as part, there wasn't a fanfare, there wasn't like, a, oh, and, and Lisa's marrying a girl. I mean, there was no big deal. It was just mm. there on a really mainstream TV show. And remember, the States is such a polarized place, especially right now. And it was just there. And, you know, again, my daughter didn't bat an eyelid. She was like, oh, yeah, I really like her dress. She chose a black dress this woman. She was a bit of a goth. She was amazing. The, the, um, the woman who was featured, her her wife was sort of um, not part of that process because it's just one of the brides, blah, blah, blah. You've seen the show. You probably know it. But then on the next episode, there was a trans couple getting married. And again, oh. it was it was not. It wasn't like, oh, we've got a special episode now for special people, which in the past you can totally imagine they might have done and tried to kind yeah. of have this tokenistic idea. It wasn't. It was just, here are two people who really love each other and they're getting married and one of them's buying a dress. And I loved that. And again, I love the fact that my daughter didn't even bat an eyelid because for her generation, this is what I'm really hoping, but again, it's not the same all over the world. Um, it's, this isn't an issue because it shouldn't be an issue. It was just great. That, she had a lovely dress as well. No, you're right, actually. It's not just celebrities, is it? It's just anybody in the Visibility. mainstream. Like when, when IKEA do a, an advert for the whole of Europe and it's got, you know, lesbians buying furniture, it's, like, it's not a shock horror. It's like, yeah, lesbians and gay men buy furniture. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guess headline. What? <laughs> yeah, headline. But then even that just shows up the hypocrisy and the, the non-equality in the world because then you'll see loads of awful comments and complaints about it going, I don't want my child to watch lesbians buying furniture. But, you know, <laughs> that's gonna Let's not forget when there was, a, there was a black British family having Christmas dinner on one of the supermarket ads last year and there were people like this is ridiculous and it was like well what what black people don't eat turkey what are you talking about i mean it was yeah. there is always going to be that vocal minority and all we can do is mm. bat it away and carry on down the path because they will slowly die out they will yes fingers crossed but i think some celebrities that have come out have been really instrumental and really important and i'm thinking of sam smith in particular yeah because, you know, them coming out as non-binary has really ignited the conversation about that. So I think there's a lot of people that still don't really understand what it means to be non-binary, mm. don't understand about the gender spectrum. And they've had so much flack, Sam Smith. They yeah. really have taken the brunt of abuse. But I'm sure that the fact that they have done that and they're such a high-profile figure will really help a lot more non-binary people or gender-fluid people mm. sort of come to terms with who they are. So I think things like that are really important. And then, of course, Elliot Page. Ah, I was going to say Elliot, yeah. Yeah, at the end of last year. I mean, that must have been so important for so many like young trans men coming to terms with their gender identity. And I wanted to just to make a comment about that because there was a there was a brouhaha where there was a, a TV presenter in Australia who said after the report was shown, she said, oh, that's amazing news. Good honour. Um, him, them, mm. sorry. And she made a genuine mistake. And guess mm. what? We're all, someone said to me the other day, I work with a, a non-binary person here in the US and we were talking about that, you know, what, what this TV presenter has said. And they said to me, do you know what? We're all riding this wave. We're all, mm. we're all learning. It isn't that, and I think sometimes people are afraid of getting it wrong. So they say nothing. And I think, there are, like any community, some kind of the vocal minority who do get angry. And, and this woman was shouted down and told she was terrible and disgusting. She was like, it was a genuine mistake. It's on live TV. And she just got in a kerfuffle. And she, it, it wasn't coming from a place of malice. And I think sometimes mistakes don't come from malice. They come from a lack of education. We're going back to where we talked before. But the more we can educate and help each other, 
the better. Exactly. And the more celebrities that come out and the more it's just in the mainstream and people are doing it, the more we're having these conversations and hopefully things can get better. Okay, we want to talk now about how people can be better allies to the LBGTQ plus community. Why don't you start with this one, Emma? I obviously am an ally. You are very much part of the community. I'd like to think I'm part of the community in, in, in kind of my own way. But what, what, what would you say to that? Well, you are absolutely. It's like it's interesting when I watch that film about the suffragettes. You know, they, would we've would women have got the vote? It hadn't been for the men that actually fought that fight as well. You know, we are stronger when we join together, and you know, things will never get better for the LG community without straight allies and cisgender allies joining us together as well. But I think, yeah, the ways in which people can be better allies, I think. Constantly challenging stuff like language. I mean, still in schools today, still all across the world, people use the word gay as derogatory. You know, if you hear things like that on public transport or out and about, you know, if it's safe to do so, I do think people should be challenging stuff mm. like that. I mean, there's some awful language that is used and thrown about. Um, and just, just standing up to people that are coming out with transphobic things all the time and just quietly having a word and saying, have you actually thought about it from another person's point of view before? Because yeah. I think just those simple things and having those conversations, like you said at the very, very beginning of this chat, you know, I think, I think straight people assume that everyone else is straight and cisgendered people assume <laughs> yes. that everyone else is cisgendered. You know, stop, stop saying that. You know, stop having those assumptions. It's like the Uber taxi driver that turned around to me and said, um, it was me and my girlfriend in the car and he said, oh, is this your sister or your friend? Like, was it any of his business? No. No. But he didn't possibly assume that it could be my lover. Mm. Like, stop assuming. Stop assuming things about people. I think it is that heteronormative society thing again. And I know it's a word, as I said, that people go, oh. Uh, but it's, you know, and I remember you saying to me, Em, about going to the doctors and the doctor saying to you, what contraception are you currently using? And you went, being a lesbian. Uh, <laughs> which was the world's greatest It works very well, I find. Yeah. <laughs> which was the world's greatest answer. But I mean, when your doctors still in the 2020s aren't aren't considering that perhaps the person they're talking to isn't in a heterosexual sexual relationship, you kind of think, what? Um, I, I would just say to try and just be mindful, like you said. I, I try not to presume anything about anybody. But I think calling people out in a really compassionate way is really important. I have been in some really difficult situations where I've been with sort of some extended family members when they've made a couple of comments and that's very difficult when you're sitting around the Sunday dinner table and you think someone said oh if my son wore a dress I'd kick him out of the house and it's like why why and I did you know I did start that conversation and go what you know what what does it matter what he's wearing? Because it's just a bit of cloth, does it? You know, everyone dresses up. We were talking about, you know, toddlers here. So I think there are sometimes really difficult conversations that can feel awkward that you kind of push through. I know um, somebody I met here in the States, <laughs> I shared this with you before. It's just so funny. They're quite, they're a really nice person, a very kind of quite straight laced, but nice, friendly person. And um, in their 40s. And they, I don't even know how this conversation came up over dinner, but they went, you know, I don't mind the gay people and the lesbian people. I don't mind them because they just get on what they will do. What I can't stand is all these all these trans people keep, who keep coming up to me and, and coming out as trans all the time. And my husband turned around to him and said, how often does that happen then? How often have trans people come up to you and, and come out? And he's like, well, no, it's yeah, complete strangers. Yeah, and he's like, well, no, okay, no, it, 
okay, it hasn't actually happened. And then we had a really decent, reasonable conversation. I said, well, actually, Mm. what I found from talking to people and understanding how it might feel, I said, at what point did you know that you were a boy? I said, what if I gave you a dress now and some heels and told you to walk out down the street? Would you feel like yourself? No, of course I wouldn't. It would just feel really weird and really odd. And I was like, well, imagine how that does feel then if you are a trans person and you're a, you know, a child or an adult who dresses in a way that doesn't reflect who they are. How do you think? I'd feel really awkward and I'd feel like really lack of confidence. And I was like, there there we go. So I think sometimes just kind of having conversations and it is a lack of understanding. And and I don't know, maybe I'm naive. I like to think a lot of the time it doesn't come from a place of bigotry or malice. It comes from a place of lack of education. I'm sure there are people where it does come from bigotry and malice, any sort of, um, any sort of, uh, you know, homophobia. But you know, again, I'm holding up and waving our little book. You know, I'm sending this to a bunch of people I know who who have probably don't think they know anyone non-binary, don't think they know anybody trans, might know that person who works in accounts who might be gay, they're not sure. You know, so I think it's it's still it's still something that a lot of people don't feel comfortable about because it's a world they just don't know about. And I think as allies, it's just a, it's just a, you know, a case of going, come on in the water's lovely. It's, you know, it's a great community to be a part of. One trans man that I spoke to actually said, Oh, it was weird. I was in the gym the other day and somebody came up to me and said, Oh, wow. You're the first, um, they've known them for a while, but they said, wow, you're the first trans person I've ever met. And this was Alfie actually who's in the book mm-hmm. said, I guarantee not. You know, you live in a busy cosmopolitan city. There are trans people everywhere. There are non-binary people everywhere. It's just that people have blinkers on, don't they, sometimes? So just take the blinkers off would be my advice, really, and accept and love the fact that you will have LGBTQ people probably in your family, probably in your workplace, and definitely in the area where you live. So just learn to embrace them and love them and celebrate them. 100%. Well, it seems amazing that we've been doing the podcast now for about three years. And over that time, I must have interviewed, oh my God, dozens and dozens of people. So being asked to pick out some of our favourite stories and ones that stood out is quite difficult. It's so difficult. It's it's like they're all our children and I love them all. They're all equally brilliant and equally different and unique as you know, as the LGBT community are really. But, you know, there are always ones that stick in my mind. And, and, and tragically, they're probably the, the more tragic ones because they stick a bit more. So, for example, Enoch. Now, I can't believe that I've spoken to someone who, you know, in the last 20 years has undergone conversion therapy. You know, I, I hope that we'll live in a world very soon where it is illegal across the world. It's not even illegal in the UK at the moment. You know, you could still be sent by your parents to try and have a so-called medical professional try and change your sexuality or your gender identity and you know his story just broke my heart Mm. you know he he was from a baptist family he lost his entire family he had to go along with it and pretend that the conversion therapy worked moved away he went to university got thrown out of university this is in america but we're talking about someone that lost their entire family and their education because they were a gay man in the 1990s or naughty. I mean, it's just beggar's belief, and had to go and find their own, their own logical family rather than biological family. So, I think it's ones like that. And Lucia, even though we're talking about the 1960s oh, in the UK, yeah. the fact that she was threatened with a lobotomy, which, if you don't know, is a procedure to cut out part of your brain to try and take away the gay. It's you know what what's really surprised me about the book is actually how 
you can learn about LGBT history just from reading or listening to all of these stories because, you know, we do hope that it is getting better and people aren't offered lobotomies anymore, but, you know, and hopefully conversion therapy is getting less. But there are those horror stories out there. So as well as there are those happy and slightly less traumatic stories, it's sadly the traumatic ones that stick in my head a bit, I think. I think for me, a lot of the stories that really stuck with me are, are, are ones that led me to a greater understanding of how certain people feel and i do really i did really resound with jacob's story so jacob jacob came out as non-binary and they say they came out to themselves first of all and that was a really big deal to come out to themselves and that's something we've seen a lot across a lot of stories i remember um one of the one of the people we interviewed as well just screaming into a mirror like several times a day as well to just get that get that acceptance oh yeah jp in la yeah that was his method but for jacob (laughs) jacob talked about the fact that they they always knew there was something going on but didn't really understand it and again we talk about the more people who can come out as non-binary the more young young non-binary people will understand what the heck is going on with them because for Jacob they just said they used to absolutely be terrified and dread going to the loo in public because presenting as a man as they first did to walk into a loo and think this ah, and I always think of yeah how weird does it feel if you're a cis woman to walk into the gents it feels really really weird and I don't you know societal I don't know what it might be but it feels bizarre so for Jacob to say I hated going to the loo in public because it just I just thought blimey that's a really really interesting thing that I had never even ever considered and again it's just walking a minute in other people's shoes isn't it and understanding how they feel um I mean Olivia's I will go back to because for me that was one of the first stories we did and it's one of the most beautiful and again the the image of her curled up on the sofa putting her hands over her face as she told her mum she was gay because she didn't want to see that initial reaction because she was scared her mum would pull a face or wince or flinch or whatever it might be and she would never ever be able to get rid of that memory so put her hands over her face and you know her mum hugged her and kissed her and you know it was really beautiful For, for me that moment was just so powerful and really beautiful and I think everyone's honesty M has just been amazing how people have shared these deeply intimate moments in their life that have been incredibly funny sometimes you know I think of that one story on the podcast Carlton who was literally having dinner with his parents and went oh can you pass the sprouts I'm gay and that's you know that's how he came out which was just really really funny moment but like you say I, I seem to get people really want to talk about these really personal things that have happened to them and I think for a lot of people when they talk to me it's like therapy almost like even if they came out 20 years ago and everything was fine now there's something really powerful about reliving those stories yeah. And and Assad, a grown man who's um, from the Muslim community, who found the love of his life, he got married, he had his, you know, pretty good happy ending, really. But he sat and, you know, in front of me in the days when we could sit in front of people and cried because just reliving all those experiences with his family and his parents was just, you know, an absolutely traumatic thing to do. Mm. And in fact, there's a really interesting story, which we haven't published yet, which will come out, oh, I don't know, in a few months probably. And I spoke to a guy who approached us actually saying, I want to tell my story. And interestingly enough, he doesn't just come out as gay. You know, he came out as being a sex addict, a drug addict. He came out as being HIV positive. He came out as having mental health problems. You know, people really pour their heart out these are these are issues deep embedded issues that people really want to talk about you know i think a lot of people in our community carry a lot of weight on their shoulders you know and and they just they relish that opportunity to tell the world and share it and hope 
hope that it makes the world a better place by telling the story. I, t- I tell you, I love Rachel's story as well, actually, who hadn't even come out but spoke to us. Yeah. You know, contacted us through the website and through Twitter um, and identifies as being a cross-dresser and still goes to work every day as a forklift truck driver, I believe, yeah. and nobody knows that they're a cross-dresser. No. But they're happy to talk to us online and talk to the podcast. So, I mean, there's been some really revealing moments, haven't there? You know, and people have been so honest with us. I, I'm so grateful to everybody that we've spoken to, really. 100%. And there's so many more to come, and I'm so thankful for that. So, yes, again, we would love to hear from you. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, my story doesn't really, it's not a big crash-bang wallop, it's not a huge moment, do you know what? There'll be someone who listens to your story and it helps them and it supports them and it changes their life. So please don't don't think that you don't have a voice and you don't have something to say because we would really, really love to hear from you. So you can head to whatgoesonmedia.com, which is the website where you can see uh, the podcast on that page, whatgoesonmedia.com. And you can contact us via Twitter at Come Out Stories or, of course, on Instagram at Coming Out Stories Pod. We'd love to hear from you. And I just want to add very quickly, and yes, don't think that you have to have had this big, dramatic and awful, tragic thing happen in your life. We love the sort of funny and innocent stories as well. I particularly love Lucia who said that um, she tried to tell her mum, oh, by the way, I'm going on a date with a woman. And she responded by saying, oh, have you seen B&M? I've got a discount on flapjacks. You know, we love those stories as well. You know, so if you think your story isn't big enough or impressive enough, we disagree. We love everybody's stories. Thank you so much for listening. It's been lovely to do this little special episode. It's been lovely to share the podcast with you, Emma Goswell, for the first time in goodness knows how long. But I'll shuffle back to me behind the mic producer role for a bit and um, and we'll keep talking. No, I think we should do more of these. I love having you on the podcast as well. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for coming out with the original idea. And uh, I'm glad I bloody listened to you in the end. Well, now look at us, our little book. You can, of course, pre-order the book. Yes, so you can pre-order at uh, Amazon or Waterstones or Blackwells. Or uh, a good tip is actually to go to ukbookshop.org if you want to support the independents as well. Fabulous. All those places you can get your mitts on the book, Coming Out Stories. It's a beautiful cover, blue cover with a rainbow coming out from coming out stories it's also the little uh, thumbnail for our podcast so you'll be able to recognize it when you see it on the book as well i mean they do say don't judge a book by its cover but ours is very sexy <laughs> absolutely 